Peace be with you. Please be seated. <clears throat> I'm bringing greetings from all you brothers and sisters around the Diocese of Quincy. I'll briefly will share with you some of the things that are happening in the diocese, uh, your diocese. Yesterday, we received into the Diocese of Quincy about 40 new members here in, in West, I mean, there in West Chicago. And Father Unger was there with me. It's a new Hispanic community on the making. And I went there with a Spanish book of common prayer to celebrate in Spanish, and they were completely lost. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, that people... <laughs> They were lost because a majority of them, thank goodness, are young, young youngsters and young, young guys, and uh, they speak no Spanish. <laughs> and I don't even know why they want to be received as a new Spanish congregation, but I will handle that later on some, somehow. <laughs> but it was beautiful, though. We, we had a great time. We, we spent beautiful time with, with this group of people. Uh, Father Unger uh, stayed there with me from the beginning to the end of the whole uh, service and meeting and good Mexican dinner. I think it was very good too. There in West Chicago, the name of the congregation is uh, Faith, Hope, and Love. And I hope that they will work exactly what they are naming themselves now, you know, with faith, with hope, and a lot of love into this society. Um, in conversations also with a pastor and a group of people from Missouri that they would like to join our diocese, and they have a unique ministry that is very dear to my heart. Their mission is to simply help people in need, homeless beggars and poor, poor, poor people. And they're asking uh, for grants to buy uh, shower trucks, that they can park these trucks in different places in, in, in different towns or, or cities and give the opportunity to these homeless people to go get a nice shower and a good lunch or dinner. And I'm excited to see how can we put all these people on board with the Isis of Quincy. You know that I do have a passion for, for helping the poor and needy because I come from a, a hometown that was uh, the hometown for islanders to go from, from the small islands of the Caribbean to work on the sugar fields. And some of them stayed after uh, the harvest because they had no place to go. And, and they lived on, on trailers and trucks and tents and stuff like that. And I am very much aware of the need of a helping hand. About that, one of the things that we are doing in our diocese is trying to convey the message of mission. We are in a society, and not just in the United States, our mainland, but all over the world, affected by the secularism and the lack of trust in the church and the lack of trust in God and in Jesus Christ. People are becoming their own kind of church these days, and they don't want anybody to to join them because it's a church for one person only and with the rules and the regulations and their beliefs. And we are training or retraining our clergy 
and the lay people of our diocese that we have to be people in mission. We have to go out. We have to proclaim the gospel. We have to preach the gospel. We have to talk to people eye to eye, to invite them to come and enjoy what we are enjoying for free, the presence of Christ, the knowledge of God, and, and living under the shadow and the protection of the Holy Spirit. And this is a big task for a diocese that for many years has been just sit, sitting in their own uh, ways and not knowing that we are not alone, that there's a bunch of people around us that need to be saved and brought back to God. And uh, we are now also in, inviting all the clergy of the diocese and, and all the people of the diocese that we are a people in mission, but we have to plant new churches. We have to go where the people of God are gathering in order to be an, 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 uh, a, a, a diocese and a, and a people of God that will be in touch where the people of God are, as, as some other people call into their marketplaces. And because of that, uh, we are closing some of the old churches in our diocese. I don't know if I mentioned this to you in the past, but right now I had already closed four churches in the Diocese of Quincy. But not, not only closing old churches because there's nothing to do in those neighborhoods, but replanting those four churches elsewhere. You know that our diocese was uh, established by one of the most great missionary bishops ever, and he planted churches everywhere in Illinois. But now, some of those places have no people, only cornfields and soybean uh, fields and, and, and farming kind of a style life, and the people had moved. And we have beautiful buildings sitting on places like that. One of those places is see, uh, Father Michael, by the way, uh, uh, that you graciously allowed us to, to, to have him uh, working with us, replanting. He's working in one of those churches. And I already talked to Father Michael that I think one of the things that we can do with that particular one is to try to find the money and build a small retreat center for the diocese because it's located in a beautiful setting. It's a magnificent building with everything we need, but if we will be able to build rooms and, and, and other facilities around because it's sitting on land, we can maybe have a nice small retreat center for the diocese that anyone can go and use that. And we don't need parishioners to be there because having people going for retreats, vestries going for their meetings and bishops committee for their meetings, or maybe a priest that would like to simply go and stay a few days in silence and in a quiet kind of atmosphere, that would be beautiful. Pray, please pray that the Lord will uh, help us to find the money and put it in place because it's a beautiful location. And uh, as long as I will be the Bishop of the Diocese of Quincy, we have to be people on the move. I don't want people just simply sitting on the pews, coming to a beautiful liturgy, service on a Sunday. We have a commitment. The Lord send us out to make disciples, and we have to go. We don't have any other choice. And who will dare in this congregation, in our diocese, to say no to God? I don't want to be the one saying no to God. If he send us, we'll go. And that's why we are having confirmations here today, because these, these new con confirmations will be 
gifted with the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, not just for them, but to go out and make disciples and share with them the good news of salvation and the most beautiful thing, the constant presence of the Holy Spirit among us, that engine, that power that moves us to do God's will. And I would like to, I mean, I have a bunch of stuff that I can keep sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing about the diocese, but we don't have the time. And for six pages, I already shortened my sermon four. I only got to share with you two, 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 two pages of my sermon. And it's the first, the first one that I would like to share with you. I don't know if you heard this morning. Jesus wept. Jesus wept? Yes. This verse in John 11.35 is the answer to many trivia contests because it is the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. And it is the shortest verse in the Bible and maybe one of the most powerful too. Jesus, the Son of God, knows sorrow and weeping. Jesus can be moved and greatly disturbed. To love means to be able to move. Jesus loved his friend Lazarus. And he loves Mary and Martha and their friends. Jesus is moved by their sorrow and pain. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. We move from the shortest verse in the Bible to one of the funniest. Roll away the stone. By this time, after four days, there will be a bad odor there. Or as the King James Version used to say, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible does not mean words when it comes to describing accurately. But this verse is meaningful. Lord, he stinketh. Sometimes in order to have a resurrection... Matters are full and messy. Resurrections didn't happen when all is sterile and clean and smelling like a favorite room deodorizer. Where things stink are exactly where resurrection can occur. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you will see the, the great glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. These are the great words of the gospel today. They are the words which could be on the lips of every one of us today. Whatever we want resurrection, we should be able to proclaim, Lazarus, come out. 
be resurrected, rise again. You can put your own name there. I'm going to put my own name there. And we can, we can say exactly the same. Come out. Rise again. We all have stuff in our, in our lives that are in need of resurrection this morning. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. I like these words more than I like Lazarus come out. Indeed, these words may be more powerful than words come out. Because now the community needs to assist in the resurrection, unbind him and let him go. There are some people here and yearning to live resurrection lives. There are some folks here who have been born again. They have risen from the dead. But they are still tangled up in burial clothes. They still have the sheets and coverings of death all over them. They're still bound up in something, bound up in all bondages, all arguments, all sins, and you can add to the list. You know what that's like. You know you are living a new life, but you seem somehow to still be in bondage to old life sometimes, like this one preaching to you. Here's where we need community. We need others. Often it is the task of Christian community to complete the action of resurrection. Jesus called forth new life. Lazarus come out, but he still has buried clothes on. Unbind him and let him go. Those should be the words which are our orders every day, every new day. Unbind somebody. Where you find someone in bondage, your friend, your wife, your, your spouse, your companion, even the stranger. Where you find someone struggling to be free, unbind them and let them go. Do not keep them tangled up in the old affairs of sin and death. Those clothes constrict and make us ill. When we refuse to let someone go, when we refuse to forgive when we refuse to see new life, it is we who are keeping them dead. The community has the power of helping us still alive. Jesus, therefore, proclaims to us, to all of us, to the Christian church, unbind him and let him go. Those are really the powerful words of today's gospel. Don't hold on to the past. Do not hold on to sin. Do not hold unto death. Let someone go today, release someone today. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Yes, if we really want the world to believe, we must show forth the resurrection life of Jesus, the new life of Jesus. Can we come out of our own tombs? Can we unbind someone and let them go? If so, the work of Jesus will indeed be revealed, and the world around us will believe that he's the Savior 
the Son of God, the resurrection, and the life. God bless you all.